It's Two Jerks, One Vote, Jerkatorium reviewing Nurein songs, and for this podcast, Chumpy and Ryan review the Nurein 14 round four songs, all entitled No Memory. You never thought you'd have to write a song with some traffic sounds and a cameo from your mom, but it's two in a week and it better be strong or else you're gonna get eliminated. You never thought you'd have to write a song in 11-8 with the stupid random title you hate. But it's due in a week and it better be great or else you're gonna get eviscerated. Welcome to Nerine. You're gonna have a bad time. You'll flounder and flail and embarrass yourself. You'll strain and you'll fail and endanger your health. Welcome to Nerine. It's not gonna be fine Yeah, you're gonna lose it You're gonna lose this neurine I was pleased that the way that people use the title Yeah So I don't know if people know this They probably don't But you and I sort of came up with this title Yeah And I liked how people used it I was really, really happy with that. And I think like, you know, with some more than others, I was a little miffed because somebody, you know, early on said, oh, this is exactly what the judges are going for. They want people to write songs about video games. And and I was like, that is not at all what anybody was going for. That's just your own damage. So it was great for me to see that not everybody went that route that it was, you know, actually a quite a small minority that went with that. And that was fine that they did, those people who did. But I just thought that uh, if you're going to go in and take the most obvious route to you and you're already disappointed before you start, then that's your own problem. Yeah. Having yeah. said that, you know, we I don't think we saw any really weak, you know, efforts here at all. Nobody sounded defeated in this one already when here it is, what, round four? which means five songs in to a punishing schedule like this. So, so I'm, I'm really impressed by what we ended up with. So let's uh, back up a little bit. Nurein 14, round four. Uh, the title was No Memory. The challenge was to incorporate bleep bloops. So like chiptune sounds, computer sounds, stuff like that. Let's see. Rain Watt won the last round with her wonderful entry. So she's immune from elimination this round. But she went ahead and submitted a kick-ass song for this round anyway, which is really cool. Let's see. One neat thing about this, too, is that so far, nobody has won twice in Narine 14. You know, like throughout Narine 13, for most of it, Marison and Vom Vorten were trading off wins and trading off immunity. And then for Narine 12, it was mostly Scub and Marison trading off. And like even back in like Narine 11, it was mostly Berkeley social scene dominating and that happened because those bands had the best songs, but, you know, competition wise, it's a little less interesting and maybe a little more discouraging to the other competitors, perhaps to see one or two bands just consistently decimating everybody else. I mean, the judges shouldn't like consider that as a factor. And I don't think that any of us has been weighing that, but, uh, and I mean, I sure don't, but I just think it was a, a kind of an interesting phenomenon that for the past three years, there's been people who've, you know, just consistently taken these immunities and this time it's spread out a lot more. Yeah. I feel like this is anyone's contest to lose. Yeah. And speaking of losing this past round, Abominominus and third cat and Ujin Hunter were eliminated. And that's, that's a real shame because they did some great, great, great songs in Narine this year. 
Sorry to so, see them go. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really crummy, and it's going to be even worse this round because I think they're going to be four eliminations, and I, I mean, can, can you pick four of these songs that you think warrant sending any of these bands home? Ooh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, four out of this, it's hard for it's hard to pinpoint one that I'm like, okay, yeah, that was subpar, and they should not go on to the next round for this. It's I, it's yeah, this is this is terrible. Yeah. It is somewhat tired that we often say there are no bad songs this round and just a pack of great songs. Yeah. But and usually true. when, when, yeah, when I do say something like that, I am not being sincere at all. <laughs> but this time when I say there are no bad songs this round, you can, you can be assured that I'm being uh, sincere about it. So, yeah. Oh, also, let's see. What else? Uh, I remember last time I was talking about somebody suggested that we should have our rankings before, we discuss it. Um, this time I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, I know last time I did this time. Eh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured out my rankings yet. Part of that is a timing thing. And part of it is just, this is, this round is just too, too hard. Yeah. One thing I thought last round is that I really wished I had more time before rendering my final judgments because songs got stuck in my head and I liked them more as the week went on. Yeah. And I feel like that would have impacted their ranking. Yeah. Just that catchiness factor and the fact that I'm singing their chorus like during the day at random times. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough because the songs are posted Sunday at you know midnight East Coast time, 9 p.m. West Coast time. And then we have essentially a day and a half to review and rank these songs. And that's not a whole lot of time, even though I assume all the judges are doing what I'm doing is just listening to them back to back throughout the day, all day. Yeah. Nonstop today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a joy for this round, especially because these songs were all great. Yeah. Including The Shadows. Too many good songs. As a matter of fact, Nurein music is pretty much all I've been listening to since this contest started. Yeah. Uh, it just happens to be I don't have any CDs or records or anything in my current playlist. So it's been Neurine songs all the time. And yeah. a lot of these songs have just really stayed with me. Yeah. All right. Should we launch into it? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, one, one last quick thing. Somebody recommended that we introduce ourselves so that they could determine whose voice was whose. So right. I'll I'll just start out and say that I'm Ryan, also occasionally referred to as The Jerk. And so you can tell my voice because it's the sultry, sexy voice. And the other one is Chumpy. Hi, I'm Chumpy, <laughs> and I sound like a Muppet. <laughs> Sometimes an angry Muppet. Yeah. Not ever going to let that go. Not ever going <laughs> to let it go. You can tell Chumpy's voice because it's the sultry, sexy voice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. In vast contrast to my own but anyhow, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. So now let's get started with the reviews, unless we have anything else. Let's launch right into it. First up, okay. we've got Agony Sauce. Now I'm looking back. I fell for your trap. Someone who you could use. Flimsy exposure. Had I looked closer, yes, there would have been clues. Nothing else. There were lessons. Now I know that I'm 
So Ryan, have you ever heard of this Atari 2600 game called E.T., the extraterrestrial? Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I, have, I don't think I've ever played it. Yeah, it has sort of an infamous place in video game history. It is often cited as being the worst video game of all time. Wasn't there like even a documentary about it? Maybe. That sounds okay. familiar. Do you know who the world record holder and high scores for that game is? <laughs> uh, I did see Ready Player One, but the plot to it doesn't really you know, present itself right immediately to me. So, no, I'm kidding. It is Mr. Uh, Glenn Case. No. Yes. There's apparently this organization called Twin Galaxies who keeps track of such things. And they recognize Glenn Case as being the holder of that record. He That's also holds, I think, up. six other first-place records in various games, you know, like Yar's Revenge and Frogger on, I want to say, the TI-99-4A. These are pretty obscure video games, but... Yeah, you know, I wish you hadn't told me that. I used to have respect for the man. <laughs> yeah, so he's almost as well-known in the video game world, perhaps more than he is in the music community. Wow. And you know that Glenn also wrote a pretty great song with JB about the Atari 2600, which made pretty extensive use of chiptune sounds. I do not recall. I'm going to have to go check it out. Can you shout it out? What's the title? Oh, geez. I'll edit this in later. Okay, no. Well, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, let's see. Also worth noting, there was a device called the Electron SID Station, which used the original Commodore 64 SID chip and... Um, I believe that Glenn has samples from this device to generate his authentic Commodore 64 sounding chiptune sounds. So yeah, it's just some interesting background on Glenn and his video game history and that particular sound. In terms of the song, um, I really liked the chorus. I thought that was really solid. And I noticed that there's kind of a robotic or jerky rhythm on the singing. Like it's everything is on the beat, which I, you know, I'm pretty sure is intentional. And I think it kind of works here, but it caught my ear right away. I like this song a lot. The solo, I feel like this is a solo that only a guitar player could love. Like it's in some sort of Phrygian dominant scale or something weird like that. Some scale only guitar players know. So I didn't quite like the solo as much as the rest of the song, but overall I was a big fan of the song and I liked it. I never skipped it when it came up. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the song. I thought it was really great. Uh, I thought it was a great incorporation of the chiptune parts of it. I like how those guitar clangs were folded into the song, too. He did a lot of work on the whammy bar, I think, and a lot of sort of stuff that, that could have gone south very easily or if it was like mixed too high uh, or something like that. It'd be really easy to do that in a way that would detract from the song, but I think it was mixed in, you know, in a very careful and interesting way. It's a great vocal performance and a wonderful melody uh, to the song. And yes, a wonderful incorporation of spelling and dynamics <laughs> and dissing and that sampled vocal hook. <laughs> you know, we've, we've noticed this uh, throughout that he's been doing this. Yeah, and he's doing it again. Yeah, and I, I know it isn't called for, but you know, how can I not give him extra credit for that? It's, it's, it's just too good. Also that part uh, in the sort of, instrumental interlude uh there is that thing where there's three measures of seven eight uh with the stresses on the upbeat or the backbeat and it's followed by an eight eight measure to bring it back to the refrain and um that backbeat stuff really throws you off when it comes in on the seven eight 
measures on the backbeat. It's really, really tricky. And like I've mentioned before in other podcasts, I'm not sure that that sort of stuff really adds anything to the song. It is kind of interesting. And I was trying to figure out, you know, where everything was landing and it took me a while, but uh, I don't know if that adds any value. Considering it all went over my head, maybe not. I'm not as careful of a listener as other folks. I think the only thing that is that, you know, like I mentioned before, too, it's like it does seem like it's skipping a little or and it's if it seems like it's tripping up the song a little bit, then I think that it can actually detract if it but it didn't detract for you. No, although I did seem to notice a place that sounded a bit glitchy, but I I thought my my ears could have been playing tricks on me. Yeah, no, no, that was this uh, this maybe a bridge. It was some sort of a little. Uh, instrumental interlude and he went into these weird time signatures for a while and it it was a little weird and then it came back but if it didn't detract from uh, the song for you then i attribute my kind of distraction from that part to me (laughs) having a a background in russian yes and listening for (laughs) that stuff when i shouldn't be i should just be you know getting the song as a holistic sort of a deal. Yeah. I didn't even know what plosives were before I started creating music and now I hear them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, also one last thing. We, uh, we keep forgetting to shout out the MP3 art and agony sauce does MP3 art every time. And that's really cool. This one is a sort of this fun, sloppy, uh, Microsoft paint, uh, persistent of vision art. And it was really, really cool. I like it. We see it. We notice it. We notice it every week. We just don't shout it out every week. Yeah, so Rachel we Lane does it as well. Yeah, as does Vowel Sounds. Yeah, it's pretty so, cool. Yeah. All right, next up, we've got Berkeley Social Scene. I thought this was a cool use of chip tune and an amazing vocal performance and an amazing vocal delivery, you know, and thank goodness because that verse melody is too simple and too repetitive. Stilted, you know? rigid. Yeah. Now you could say the same about the chorus, but I like the chorus. Yeah. And uh, even though it's just four notes, I think it's a thousand times better than the verses. And the bridge is good too, and that bridge resolves in like this especially strong and climactic way, and so I like that a whole, whole lot. I'm sure that's Geech doing the lead vocals. Yes, that's true. So I'm going to go into a little bit of a digression. I've mentioned this before. You know, Jerkatorium used to be just me for the first very, very beginning, but I realized early on that my vocals are bad. (laughs) Bad? Bad. So uh, the best thing possible happened, and Chumpy joined as 50% of Jerkatorium doing 100% of the lead vocal work. And so I'm wondering, you know, why doesn't Berkeley's social scene lean more on Geech and Sam? You know, I'm, I'm hoping, and it, it can't be rude of me to suggest that, you know, Geech and Sam are much better lead vocalists than the other three, than Martin, Ken, and Glenn. You know, they, they have to hear that too, right? 
You know, so yeah. I'm kind of wondering why why don't they push a lot of that more onto the stronger vocalists? Just like you know, like I did it too. I don't think it's insulting to me to say, "Hey Ryan, your voice sucks in comparison to Chumpy's. Why don't you let Chumpy do all the lead vocal work?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> for the betterment of the music, I'm I doing that." I don't want to be a dick, but I noticed that Martin was credited with silence <laughs> in the song, which <laughs> I don't know how to take that except the funny way. Yeah, well, it's, it's got to be. So yeah, so okay, so that's cool. But anyhow, yeah, yeah, that was my rant. I also felt that the verses were pretty bad. There are basic exact rhymes, and I really don't like the use of what I call non-rock and roll nerd words. Like the word conveyed, I don't think should ever appear in a rock and roll song. Like betrayed, conveyed, thoughts distraught, forgot, and fraught. Like I just groaned every time I heard those words. Mm. Also, pure as the driven snow is a cliche we do not need to hear anymore. But I thought the chorus was great, and I kind of wished that the counter melody would come in sooner because it, it was, you know, how repetitive the chorus is. It's still great. Something about it just really sticks with you, and I'm sure this is going to be a chorus that I'm going to be singing over the next five or six days in the yeah. shower. Yeah. But I'm going to be adding my own counter melody right away, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not going to be a three-note counter melody. It's not going to be "Come see us, we'll help you." You know, mm -hmm. I feel like there was a kind of a missed opportunity to have a more flowing counter melody. I sort of wish that they had done that and they had done it sooner. But really, that's a minor complaint because I do like the chorus a lot, and it might be the strongest chorus of this round. I don't, I'm not going to stand by that, but maybe okay. it's it's definitely a very strong chorus. Yeah, we're we're going to say that until we go into the next songs, which have super strong choruses too. You know, and <laughs> the next uh, one but, doesn't. Spoiler yeah, well, alert: it does not. Okay. Well, well, for for this for this song though, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's a strong chorus, and I like the chorus better than the verses. But maybe that's in comparison of the verses because be. the verses were not strong, and the chorus itself four notes, four so, notes, effective though, yeah. somehow, yeah. And no, it's just I, repeating the, the title is, over and over again. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm not stating myself very well because I liked this song. And most of the reason that I liked this song is because it was such a great vocal performance. And I think even though I'm, I'm d dismissing this chorus as four notes, I did say that I like this chorus and I do like this chorus. But I think that the thing that really pulled it off was the lead vocalist doing a bang up job. Yeah. Like, Good not, job, and Keish. a bang up job is like not even adequate for what it was because it was, it was a really, really great vocal performance. Yeah. Um, Lunkhead does well when he sings the counter melody as well. And I think he also may sing some other backing vocals. Uh, also there's doubles and harmony parts and yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a well done lead vocal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and well mixed and well mastered and yeah. And with all that too. tasteful bleeps and bloops courtesy of Lunkhead. Who's good yeah. at that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got faster Jackalope. I am a manly man with a busted cap set and I try to compensate for my space echo with a ton of spring and just a little bit of play. Life is going too fast for me, too fast for me to deal with dancing performing before my thoughts can be congealed. Gate is 
My biggest complaint with this song, and I'm going to lead off with the things I didn't like, is that the lyrics leave me a little bit cold. It's a bit meta. It seems to be all about various busted gear, like the Memory Man and the Echoplex and the 8-bit video game consoles. I have a hard time getting worked up about hardware or a song about hardware. I also feel like the Latin Bridge was an unforced error. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all I can think about when I hear that is Antifa. Like, you know, why is Antifa part of a song about the, you know, video game hardware or 8-bit yeah. hardware? I don't get it. Yeah. Too clever. I thought the chorus was okay. You know, it was just a single voice. Could have used some double tracking or some harmonies or something to kind of embiggen it. But it was just frisbee. And it didn't mesh super well with the verses. And it was somewhat jarring when it came in. It just felt like it was like, hello, I'm the chorus. Is this the song I'm supposed to be in? This song I just, I, I found difficult. And I admit I skipped it during my casual listening period when I wasn't taking notes or writing stuff down. I was just listening like while I was, you know, doing errands and stuff today. Skip. Now, Chumpy, you realize if you are going to use a word like embiggen, you have to mug it because otherwise people are going to think you have problems. <laughs> 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 right? Because you just said it and, and like glossed over it. And I'm and like, and you just say, embiggen is what you have to say because otherwise people will think that that's part of your vocabulary. Which are you is telling me embiggen is not a word? I'm telling you embiggen is not a word and that if, if anybody gets anything from this podcast, then... <laughs> and then they're not. Most assuredly <laughs> not. I think we've served our purpose right here. This is our uh, public service right here. Embiggen is not a word. All right. And I forgot, I've forgotten everything else that you said about your entire review, but I'm sure I agree with it. It was just blah, blah, blah. Didn't like it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You thought the chorus was okay, but there there was a lot of... Let's go back then. What, what did you... I mean, you did like stuff in the song, right? What did you really enjoy? Putting you on the spot here. You put me on the spot here. Well, why, why don't I just yeah. move forward? Because there's stuff that I liked a lot. I like I like the song, and in particular, I'm really wild about the pre-chorus and the instrumental interludes. You know, the pre-chorus, it's just kind of like everything's bouncing all over the place, and it's like, wow, 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 before it gets into the chorus. And the musical interludes are great because they're the, like poppy, hoppy, you know, bump, bump, bump sort of things that are going on. I thought that was great. You're right, though. The bridges don't add anything. But yeah, no, I don't know. I, I like it. It's a fun, up-tempo piece. As is typical for them, it's really carefully constructed. And, you know, in my opinion, anyway, if, if this does kind of mid-range or worse in the rankings, I think that's really mostly because there are so many extra strong songs in this round. So there was stuff that I could point out that I liked in the song, stuff that I could point out that I wasn't as thrilled with. But I think that's also just because there were so many different aspects to this song. And that I think, you know, in just about any other challenge with any kind of weaker songs, it would do very, very strong. This this would win any song fight, you know, hands down. No problem. So I yeah, think I, I, I disagree with that. OK, there's I mean, Gert was in last song fight. That's true. Hmm. Well, it'd be a strong competition. I'll give so, you that. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I like this song a lot. And I think that, you know, again, there's going to be four in the bottom four. <laughs> and we're going to help put some in there. And I hope this doesn't go home for this. Of course, I am going to say that about every other goddamn song in this competition, too. So it's hard. 
Yeah. All right, let's move on to Frankie Big Face. My couch is my home. These cushions are my catacombs. While you were judging me, another bad guy bludgeoned me. Now, please leave me alone. Think you're pretty smart. Well, all I'll give you is a glanceless shrug. I know. Now, this is another super strong entry that might win any song fight and might win any other sort of Nurine round, but there are just too many excellent songs in this round. I like that error message noise. I think that's really incorporated well. I like the verses a lot more than the chorus on this one, which is a pretty rare phenomenon for me. You know, I think it's a great job on a great song that might not rank as high as it might otherwise just because it's not quite as brilliant as some of the other songs. You know, the words are cute and clever, but some of these songs have lyrics that are really amazing. So for me, the main appeal uh, is the melody throughout the verses in the song, which I think is fantastic, just absolutely wonderful. And I don't know, the rest of it's fine and really good. And... I'm certain that this is at minimum safe, but not maybe top three for me. Right. I thought that the bloops and bleeps were used sparingly and even-handedly. I did like that there's a stab sound that I think he constructed out of the macOS alert chime, which I think kind of ties back into his name dropping of his Macintosh that he's playing his first-person shooter games on the couch on. I thought that was kind of a nice tie-in. I think there's also the Pac-Man death sound, which gets used nicely as well. So the nice thing about using the bloops and bleeps sparingly is that they don't really detract from your overall sound. The tough thing about using them sparingly is I'm not sure if they're really, you know, up front or the star of the song. I'm not sure they necessarily have to be, but I'm going to be thinking about how well were they used. So I think he's on the right side of that line in this one, but maybe just... Another thing I noticed about this song is Frankie's a pretty good bass player. I like the bass sound and I like the bass riffs he was playing. So I was into that. I liked the whole story of it all. You know, he painted a picture of an obsessed guy who's ignoring his wife. He's playing video games. He's thinking he's saving the human race. It was a fun, funny, interesting sort of story, which I like that. It was well performed. But you're right. There are some really standout songs with standout lyrics in this particular round. So... I also think Frankie's safe, but maybe not as safe as he'd like to be. Yeah. All right, next up we've got Grumpy Mike.
So in contrast to Frankie Bigface, if I was worrying about if Frankie was on the line of being too sparing in his use of chiptunes and leading judges, maybe other than myself, to wonder if he had effectively used chiptunes in the song or not, I thought Grumpy Mike walked that line perfectly. So he has a really great bloopy synth chiptunes riff, which is a very video game-esque sort of riff that I thought is great. And it nails the challenge. It doesn't ruin his overall rock song or make it feel like it's out of place in his rock song. So the bloopy sounds other than that are somewhat sparingly used, but that riff, which you hear repeatedly in the song, really ties in well with his whole rock style. At no point did I think, you know, oh, this is thrown in, or is this superfluous, or does this really work? And I think it was that riff that tied it all together. So I was very pleased with that. I thought the lyrics are kind of preachy. Like, I have heard the story about the dangers of the social media echo chamber on, you know, mainstream news shows, and rock and roll should not be used to tell you to eat your vegetables. And this, <laughs> it's just, it's preachy, and it turned me off on that lyrically. Having said that, I thought it was well composed and the lyrics were well done. Except in the part in the bridge, and I thought that paraphrasing the serenity prayer is just a little bit lazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, write, yeah. Some, write some better lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. But, yeah. you know, um, the music in this song, when I heard that riff, when I heard the song come on, I just got a good feeling. It's like, oh, yeah, hitting my stride in the playlist. I'm liking this. I like this song. Never skipped it. Wanted to hear it. I'd go listen to it again right now. All of my reviews at this point are just me trying to find trivial dings for great songs. And uh, this is another great song. The performance is really impressive. Those rhymes are great. Those, those rhymes are really nice, really on point. And uh, the bridge is comparatively weak. And yeah, you know that was probably on purpose for variation and dynamics, if I'm being generous about that. So anyway, it's a great song with two dings that it doesn't deserve, but I'm giving them anyway. First one is that weak bridge. And uh, the second one is that it's a negative, long-form complaint song. But again, it's a great song, wonderful rhymes, and wonderful cadence, except in the bridge. Uh, so those dings are pretty insignificant in comparison to the strengths of this great, great song. And, and I, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly about the preachiness of it and how we've kind of heard a lot of stuff like this before, not just on the news, but I, I think there's even been some song fight songs about it. So it's well-worn territory, I think, but I like it. I like the song. I like the sound of the song. I think if it were about something less trivial than this, then I think I'd like it a lot more. One thing I did notice about the way he sang this song is that there's grit in his voice pretty much the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I know he can sing clearly, and I know his vocal coach would probably prefer that he sing clearly. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like, you know, he could have used the grit more sparingly and the, the sort of gravel a little bit more sparingly. As it is, it was all all the time, I felt like. so. Yeah. But still, he hit every note. I mean, he's he's certainly a good singer. I just kind of wish he would vary the tone up a little bit. Okay. All right, let's move on to Max Bombast.
Great song, great use of chip tune right out front there. Amazing vocal performance. And I love how the song evolves. Like he adds stuff to the second verse and he adds additional vocals to the chorus after that second verse. And I like that Bohemian Rhapsody stuff too. Like my only criticism of this song, do you know what I'm going to say? Tell me. My only criticism of this song is that the end of the MP3 cuts off the cymbal at the end. So <laughs> it doesn't let it ring out and it doesn't fade it out. You got to let that shit ring out or fade it out. Don't just snip it off like that. So that is a super petty minor complaint about this otherwise great song. And again, though, it's a great song amid a dozen great songs. So I don't know where it's going to rank but uh, I liked it a whole, whole lot. Yeah. You can't compete with this man's bass playing. There's just something so great about the way the percussion and his bass playing work together with his voice. It's a very distinctive sound, and it's very... just feels good. Sounds great. I thought that he didn't use the bloops and bleeps in as satisfying a way as some of the other competitors, sparingly, but still effectively, I thought... I thought he's on the right side of that line, but I was sort of more into the bloops and bleeps that other folks came up with. I think he took the chiptune angle more. So, like, the chiptune stuff starts out immediately and is very prominent. And I think that, you know, when we first envisioned this challenge, we were thinking bloops and bleeps. In fact, that was that was my pitch. I was going to say, let's just have it... Uh, be bloops and bleeps. Bloops and bleeps would be the challenge. It'd be... Three words, bloops and bleeps. Or no, I think it was just two words, bleep bloops, I think. And then some of the <laughs> or other Or one hyphenated thought, word. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the judges thought that that might create a stir, that it, too much confusion. People would complain about how nonspecific it was. So uh, we added the chiptune aspect of it to clarify it. And I think that, yeah, and I think that all those uh, intro sounds and everything throughout the song, I think there's he's going that chiptune angle, which is not uh, specifically bleep bloops. But anyhow, yeah. I'm over-explaining it. Okay. And, you know, I didn't think that it sounded out of place per se. I'm not sure the song would have been considerably different without them. You'd probably say that about a lot of folk songs. This is great singing. I have a comment that even his plosives sound good. So uh, the thing about the the Queen line and his quoting from the Queen line, actually it's three separate lines from Bohemian Rhapsody, and it, he subtly twists it or changes it subtly on the last line. And I feel like that's too much Queen quoting. You know, if you would have done one line, you probably could have gotten your point across, but three lines just seems a little bit lazy. You know, I'm also looking for things to ding them on. Yeah, I was going to say that. You're kind of micromanaging his song already. Exactly. Saying, like, if it were me, I would add a clav. And I would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a clav would have really helped in this I'd, case. Oh, that's, that's every time I say it. I say that. I would <laughs> add a clav and some arpeggiators. But yeah, I, I had a hard time finding something negative to say. I, I really like this song too. Yeah. I, now I want to do a song with just bass and drums and vocals. Go for it, man. And see if I can make it sound badass. I don't think I can. I feel like that there's layering going on in that bass playing. Oh, yeah. Like there's, you know, he's he's mixing in like a bass cabinet and then the bass DI. And then probably he has some sort of harmonic exciter or something on it because his bass tone is amazing. And I, I, I feel like he's worked pretty hard on it. 
Yeah, no, I don't doubt that he's got a sub base in there and a woolly octave and God knows what else. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll just sound dumb if we try to do a Max Bombast style song. <laughs> Can't wait to try. <laughs> yeah, we'll give that a shot. All right, next up we've got Marison. And this song is chip tuned up to the nines. So a lot of these sounds came from this thing called the Arcade Pocket Operator, which is a device that you can buy that has all these sounds built in. And Lunkhead makes this work. He has, I think that all the sounds minus Aaron's voice and maybe a guitar are all done with this device or other synthy chip tunesy sounds. And this is a great song. It's got great singing from Marison. The thing that Marison does well is that they make no forced errors, typically. Everything here is solidly done, hits on all categories. And, you know, if, if you sound a little bit like ABBA on the chorus, like <laughs> there are these chorus backing vocals that go, whoa, oh, after she sings No Memory. And it's just, yeah. it's like this ABBA moment. And yeah. uh, I'm loving it. And it sounds great. But yeah, this is just so competent, so well done. There's very little for me to ding. I don't see how this doesn't score pretty highly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Though, I'm going to say that the verses are pretty dull and simple uh, when it comes right down to it. But that chorus is so sweet yeah. that it, it absolutely makes up for it, and then some. Yeah, this is not a, a super attention-grabbing story or... You know, this is just sort of a, a loved, lost sort of thing, right? Or a yeah. end of the relationship type song. It's pretty, pretty vanilla in that regard. Yeah. But you know, they yeah. didn't have I... a lyric about scooping an eye out with a clove <laughs> or something. So no for no unforced errors. <laughs> well, that, that was the best part of that song. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm just I'm just saying, yeah. But no, I thought, yeah, this this song is very pop. This song is, you know, very, it's very teen bop, very ABBA, and and it's just very, very, very good. You know, I, I did also like when the guitar came in for the bridge, and you know, in terms of dings, uh, you know, ding wise, you can file this comment in that category of. You know, dinged for criteria discrepant with the challenge. <laughs> oh, that's so Grumpy I, Mike's favorite category. Well, mine too. I always hated when we were dinged for stuff that was not part of the challenge at all. So like they, they had to reach outside or 
have their own sort of you know misread of the challenge in order to ding somebody oh, for yeah. that. But I have, every judge but, has their own expectations on how the challenge will be fulfilled. So and you can't yeah. know all those ahead of time. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, some of them are spelled out. I remember. I, I'm not going to go into old rehash old things, but I'm going to admittedly put this in that category. So that is that I kind of wish there was less chip tune in this song. You know, like I wish chip tune were kind of incorporated into the song instead of like overwhelmingly the entire song, except for that one guitar bit in the bridge. And yes, I know that is not a legitimate criticism, but those fuzzy synths start to bug my ears after a while. Yeah. But still, it's an undeniably appealing chorus and a lovely, lovely vocal performance. And it's kind of irresistible. Uh, You know, those little touches during the chorus are fantastic. I enjoyed this song a whole lot. So, you know, me coming up with uh, a thing or two to ding it on is, is reaching. Yeah. And I think I can get that as well. It is really chiptunesy, but it's hard to ding them for doing what we asked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, it, you know, and despite anything that I'm digging them for, I still love the song. So, you know, take it for what it is. I'm, you know, I'm here to blather. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. We have a whole nother day to think about rankings. So more listening yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay. Let's move on to Nick Soma. For so many years I lived in sorrow and fear I was constantly haunted by my memories But I was sold when by a guy I was told They could rearrange my mind and set it free At least the paper says that's how it went I can't remember anything but by no means to my discontent A newborn mind will now take wing Now finally I have no memory Of anything I've ever done I feel so free I have no memory No one knows what I'll become now I can be anyone. Oh my god, it's happy! What the hell happened? <laughs> this isn't the same guy, is it? I think he's on his meds. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I have this weird paranoid conspiracy theory about this song, and I'm gonna digress a little bit. I seem to remember that Jerkatorium's submission to the After You Narine title was kind of a reaction to our perception that those judges preferred basic pap. Uh, so that's what we gave them. Yeah. And sure enough, that was our highest ranked Nurain song ever. And I kind of fear that maybe Nick Soma is doing this to us now with this song. Like, I'm going to admit that I like this song a whole lot, and then he'll turn around and say, See, I knew it. You're not punk, and I'm telling everyone. And I'm kind of falling into that trap. Here's your do pap, like you this. son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm falling into that trap because I do like this song a whole, whole lot. You know, it's fun. It's up-tempo. It's rocking. It's got great lyrics and a great melody and good performances and good synthesizers, except maybe that kind of offbeat squeak in the left ear. But, you know... Again, that's that's super minor. I like this song a whole lot, and I realize that, you know, just sort of musically, it's not his most interesting work. 
Yeah. But I like it because I just like it. Yep. I like this one every time it came on as well. And I kept thinking, is this Nick Soma? Yeah, this is, it's Happy Nick. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I thought that the use of bloops during the quiet parts, super effective. Everything drops out except a bloop at, you know, at key parts in the song. Really yeah. well done. You know, I, if I had to nitpick a little bit, and I do, the word <laughs> genius does not deserve four syllables. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit weird. And there are some backing vocals that are just way low in the mix, and I didn't hear them like the first three times I heard the song. So turn up those backing vocals. But otherwise, I really like this song, and I thought this is probably my favorite Nick Soma song this near nine. Yeah, yeah. And still, again, a little a little pop, you know, uh, yeah. for him. A in little a power way that, pop punk sort of thing. Yeah. and like Could have been the, a Blink-182 song. Yeah. But his previous, you know... Uh, songs for cutters uh, (laughs) were arguably a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like even, even if we weren't rocking out to them, even if we didn't want to hum along with them or singing those, those great refrains afterwards, it it was still more interesting to listen to. That's not a a slam on this song because I enjoyed this song more. Yeah. It's a hard thing to, to parse. I think, you know, if I were sort of in a more emo teenage sort of mood, those songs, those sort of sadder songs, about challenging and difficult subjects would appeal more. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Rachel Lane. So I definitely get a Stevie Nicks vibe on the chorus. There's this Stevie Nicks song called Leather and Lace, which she sings with Don Henley, of all people, that I just couldn't get out of my head when I heard the chorus. It's not exactly the same. There's just one little part of the melody that has a similar sort of shape. And uh, her voice, I thought, is similar to Stevie Nicks's, and so it just kept registering in my head. I went back and listened to it, and I'm like, how did I ever think this was the same? But... I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really detract too much from the song, but I just kept thinking about it. They make great use of the penultimate chorus stripped down, where you really just hear the acoustic guitar and vocals. And that sounds just really great. The mixing on that was super good. Her vocals without a guitar sound great. The guitar was just exquisitely recorded. And sometimes she puts a little bit of growl in her voice. Yeah. Unlike Grumpy Mike, who's pretty much growling at us all the time, there's just a little bit of growl on lines like uh, somehow I still love you. And it really, it sharpens the line, which I, I think is really well done. Yeah. I like this song. This is definitely a step up from her last round song, which I did not like as much, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all on board on this one. 
Yeah, this made me really, really glad that Chumpy suggested this title, that you suggested this title, because it's so good and so well, and, and obviously people could really turn it into something maybe better than some of the other titles that uh, have been in the past and are <laughs> coming up in the very <laughs> near future. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, no, just it, everything about this song is done really, really well. You know, uh, obviously the vocal performance is super duper strong, just so, so, so good. And um, having said that, you know, the, the chiptune stuff seems kind of extraneous, but not bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's in the percussion track, right? Yeah, kind of, well, I mean, it's also, you know, playing along with uh, some of the notes. But all in all, you know, I'm not sure the song needed it. Yeah. Uh, but I also... I think it doesn't get in the way. Of it doesn't anything. drastically alter the sort of acoustic guitar driven sound that the song has. Yeah. Yeah. I, it certainly helps in the instrumental intro and the transitioning riffs that dump, dump, da part with, with that keeps on coming in. And that, I think if it were just the acoustic guitar, it might not have the kind of stress that, uh, the chiptune stuff puts on it, which is good. So it, it definitely adds there. But all in all, uh, this song could have done without the chiptune and been an excellent song regardless. I thought that as well. And I wondered if someone who had no idea that there was a chiptunes challenge associated with the song, I wonder if they would have thought that it sounded out of place or even random. Uh, could be. I enjoyed the song a lot, but of course we have to kind of pick them apart a little bit. And I was going back and thinking like, okay, so what part of this song has important chiptune aspects? And that's the part that I could really, really point out. But on the other hand, you know, it also does, like you mentioned, it does help to add to the dynamics of the song mm -hmm. in various places. So yeah, you could, you could just as easily argue that it's uh, essential. So yeah. Oh, and of course I appreciate the extra effort of having the MP3 art, that road scene. So, yeah. yeah, nice to have that extra little thing for those of us who are downloading these songs. I also appreciate the effort people put into putting interesting stuff into their lyrics page. So, like, Faster Jackalope and Berkeley Social Scene put it in the players and who does what. A lot of people talked about where the chiptunes came from and the techniques they used to make the sounds. I, I love yeah. all that stuff, so thank you. Yeah, if you if you want to make this stuff less obscure for us, put put that stuff in there. Like looking ahead, I don't know what inflatable vegetable song is about specifically. If it is about something very specific, because it kind of sounds like it. Oh, we'll get there. And, yeah, and same thing with uh, yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to list it, but you know, if you're referring to a very very specific thing in history, then definitely bring that up. And uh, this is this isn't about Rachel Lane's song. This is just in general. Right. It helps if we feel less clueless. Yes. Because <laughs> this is really about us. Yeah, any help we can get, man. Feel less clueless. Yeah, it's it's a charity. All right, but let's move on to the Sunday Colors. I have never been so far away from home. The path forward has never been less clear. My mind is a winding sequence of computer code. The end is far away, yet it's slowly drawing near. I want to remember some prominent display The friends who pushed me forward when I thought I had enough The only ones I know who still call me by my given name I have no memory No memory 
I'll say a little prayer for the times I know we shared. It's all that I can do. So this is the Mars Lander singing, right? Opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, I have a soft spot for emotional songs about robots. I know. And this is one of the best examples of that admittedly tiny, tiny niche. <laughs> the chiptune stuff is really well incorporated. It's a key element instead of something just thrown in to meet the mandatory challenge. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love the way he does it after certain lines. Like when he sings computer code, for example, there's this like little melodic chiptunes line. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's really nicely done. Like you know, it's kind of it fits the lyrics as well. And when he says prominent display, there's another little melodic chip tunes line. I love that. Yeah, very careful, very uh, methodical, very you know well thought out. And yeah, it's a great song, wonderful lyrics, uh, great performance. Yet it might not rank so well because we give similarly high marks to literally all of these other songs too, and that sucks. So I like the song. I like the song a whole lot. There's nothing that I can ding it on, and yet it's so stripped down that it's going to be hard to rank it above some of the other ones who put some extra production in it. But we'll see how it goes. I haven't ranked these songs yet. Yeah. You know the line, uh, my battery is low and it's getting dark? Yeah. A lot of people were touched by that when that line came out. And they had to ask NASA, did the robot really say that? And the robot didn't exactly say that. The robot had data that was the upshot, but someone at NASA did a poetic paraphrasing of it, and it it gave people a lot of strong feelings about that little robot. So I wouldn't say that I was choked up while listening to this, but I definitely felt something. And there's that great line about the given name, which is Oppie, which is what everybody calls it. Like the the NASA folks call it Oppie. Yeah. Yeah. Just cute. It was a cute, yeah. cute song about a robot. Got me right in the feels. Yeah, absolutely. There is so much uh, Rule 32 stuff uh, on Oppie. It's cra- it 34? <laughs> I can't remember. That's probably a rule I don't need to know about. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. It's I, 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 I've probably got the number wrong, and I'm also just making that up, so I have no idea. Thank you, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see if I had anything else to say about the song. I agree. It's, it's hard to rank a G and G well, a song that is essentially a G and G song with, you know, some overdub chiptune stuff amongst these other songs that have just lush instrumentation. It's hard. Yeah. This is a great song though. And again, I, I had nothing to ding on this song other than it didn't also have drums and also have you know, mandolin and also have 14 backing vocal tracks. Yeah. No bird song either. And no clav. That's all you need to get a vote for me, man. Just give, Yeah, just, if this were strictly a songwriting contest, this would be a little bit easier, but it's yeah. everything. So Yeah, yeah, it's how we feel about these songs, too. All right. This is the last actual competitor in the contest, but not the last song we'll be talking about. This is Vowel Sounds. Hand. 
And I'm pleased to think that this song is still in the Ouijaverse. So we, we talked earlier about Glenn Case putting arbitrary constraints on himself where he was going to do all of the challenges cumulatively, which is damned impressive. And I also yeah. think that it's damned impressive vowel sounds as sort of building this narrative story arc as taking place in the Ouijaverse. And this song, I believe, is about the protagonist hooking up with the guy who is married to the wife who is a little bit dull. And so I call him Ouija Boy. Okay. So, so I think this is about her hooking up with Ouija Boy, and it's you know it's well written. I feel like it's got a great description of a hangover, and it that line is a black hole between this morning and the bar last night, which I thought was a great line. It really fits the whole no memory thing. Like once again, Val sounds is pretty great at taking the title and finding a way to spin it into a narrative that works in their Ouijaverse. And I'm always impressed when they work hard to do that. Yeah. A complaint I had about this song is it's just slow. I don't have a lot of patience for slow songs, so it's hard for me and I just gotta, okay, just, you know, not every song needs to be at 160 beats per minute, dude. Just chill out. Don't freak out. It's slow, but listen. So I got past that. I think that the chiptunes may be slightly overdone here. Just a possibly slightly overdone. I mean, there's a Commodore 64, there's a Game Boy, there's samples from Doom the video game, Pong the video game, and a failing disk drive, which you hear bookending the song at the start of the song and at the end of the song. Yeah, and they also put it in somewhere in the middle. Oh, did they? Uh, oh, God. Yeah, at one point in the middle, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, that probably wasn't necessary right there. But I'm, I'm you know. Yeah, I don't and, I, and I'm wondering like if this is a net loss, at least the failing disc sound. Maybe not. There's a fine line between quirky and annoying, and for me, it lands on the quirky side, but it might not for everyone. Yeah. This song is where, and we've done this before, but this is where we prove that you and I are not a voting block you know, this voting block that's influencing in one way or another how Narine is going. Because this is by far my favorite song of the round. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, like in this list of great, great songs, this is the obvious amazing standout to me. You know, and yeah, it's it's clearly a continuation of the Ouija verse. And I think it's the most touching and troubling and poignant and, you know, the the most powerful installment of it. First of all, you know, I think the music is wonderful. The vocal performance is right on. And uh, these lyrics are stunning and amazing. You know, there's that part that goes, a sound of thunder, a butterfly crushed between your hips and mine, and now the world is rearranged. And that's yeah. perfect. It's good. It's perfect, perfect, perfect. It's like they reached into my brain and kind of teased out the most perfect analogy to manipulate my perception of this experience that the narrator is having. And you, you know the reference, right? The Sound of Thunder? I don't know the reference. Oh, okay. A Sound of Thunder was a story by Ray Bradbury that uh, was made into a terrible movie a little while ago. But, you know, when I was growing up, I used to read the... R is for rocket, S is for space, uh, those groups of short stories by Ray Bradbury. And this was one of them. And it's the one where they have time travel. And I, I'm going to overexplain this. 
But part of the whole thing is that you get to kill a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's the whole thing. So it's tourism. But you have to follow this one route and you can't step off the route and you have to shoot this Tyrannosaurus Rex. And right after you do, like a, a tree falls on it or it's struck by lightning or something. So it would have died anyway. Right. And then they have these kind of like floating things where you get to walk back and then go back forward in time and you don't interfere with anything. In right. The like you don't kill a butterfly. Exactly. And that's the kick of the story that somebody is just too terrified by this T-Rex coming out at them that they, you know, jump off and end up uh, accidentally, you know, stepping on a butterfly and uh, uh, spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But anyhow, so yeah, and then it was made into a terrible movie a while ago. Uh, don't don't see the movie, but just but definitely read the story, and it you know changes the whole timeline in a way that's probably a lot less than it actually would, but uh, but significant enough to you know. And anyhow, it's a great great story, and so it's about that kind kind of whole butterfly effect, time travel sort of a thing, and this is such a great use of that because it just tells you the title. And then it brings up the butterfly imagery and that it's crushed between your hips and mine is so sexual. Yeah, I thought it was just a sort of – I thought it was a euphemism. Yeah, no, this is this is much, much more than that. And it's so artfully and genius. It's, it's a genius line. Wow. And I just, so I, they, it's like I heard that and I was like, ah, you know, it, it struck me. It, it, you could have slapped me and I would have, I would have felt less. It was so, so great. Yeah. And then. You know how yeah. you like things that really paint or set a scene? This was yeah. very detailed, like, you know, putting on her dress, finding her underwear. There was a lot of. A lot of details in the song, which, you know, in the holes in his jockey shorts. And it really yeah. painted a picture nicely. Yeah, and exactly. The, the photo of the girl on the wall, like the, or the, I call her dull girl. <laughs> yeah. And the, the tangled hair, the sticky skin, the, like every little bit of it. I, I loved how, you know, all of the dramatic stuff was internal. You know, there's no dialogue in this at all. And to the outside observer, it would be somebody waking up and maybe looking around alarmed and then going to accept some coffee and maybe some eggs with this guy who sh- they don't say anything. I mean, it's it's such a such a thing. But then she brings you into that narrator so very, very well and so convincingly and says so many great things about, you know, I don't know. It, I just I, I, I love this song it's in, in a round full of songs that. I was happy to listen to over and over and over again. I still kept skipping ahead to this song and it's, you know, it's just too damn good. I'm going to have to listen more. Yeah. If I'm going to have to say anything even mildly critical, I'd suggest that maybe that failing disc drive sounds, uh, you know, with the ambient room noise that you could hear along with it, that was probably not necessary, but that is a very minor uh, criticism. And this song is still number one on my list. Definitely. Oh, and the MP3 art. Thanks for that. All right. So should we move on to the shadows? Yeah, let's do it. First up on the list, I have Rain Watt. I got ink in my eyes. And I'm staring through the frost in a window. And I'm trying to work out what is going on. How do I know where I am? If I don't know. Some time, and I'm looking at the past like a textbook. 
And I'm trying to get past all of the gaps How do I know where I am If I don't know where I've been Yeah, I'm starting to Listeners, the Nurine listeners, I want to make this clear. You losers are lucky nobody can get immunity twice in a row because this song is also amazing. It's rare that I'll put songs directly onto my iTunes playlist from a song fight or a Nurine or a Spin Tunes, but this time around, both vowel sounds obviously and, then, and Rain Watt went right on there immediately. You know, this is fantastic from start to finish. And I especially love that little bit that hops into the falsetto in the singing where she just kind of jumps up there at some point. It's, it's very... Yeah, it's very, it's very yeah. Radiohead is what I have in my notes. Yeah, for, it's, uh, Jeff Rosenstock does it too. And you know I'm a uh, Rosenstock head or yeah. whatever they call those. Like on starting to feel where that octave jump happens. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good there. Wonderful, wonderful. So good. Yeah. I love that line, all the pages are blank other than the one with the pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's great. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's wonderful. Great she's like, It's like when we did uh, some of our Narayan songs, when we did Fingers Crossed, you were kind of disappointed because we'd done such a great song on something where we could have just done armpit farts and entered <laughs> that. And I kind of feel that with this, like, why are you doing such amazing work when you have immunity? Because this is fantastic. So, yeah. Life is too short to write crappy songs, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I love her voice. She can really convey feeling. And I thought it was just because it was issues that she was really passionate about. But I think she's just good at conveying feeling with her voice. Like she can stress it to cracking without sounding hokey. And it's used sparingly here. Some of the other songs, there may have been a question if she was maybe perhaps leaning on it a bit too much. But here I feel like perfect balance was achieved and it's used just to add that that really sweet emphasis. Rachel Lane was good at that too. Just holding back, using it sparingly. So I was really pleased with that. Another thing I wanted to mention is that somehow Rain found her way to the Songfight IRC channel, which is a weird corner of the internet that consists of me, Ujin Hunter, Mike Lamb, Justin, Signboy, and that's pretty much it. It's weird that she found her way there. I don't even, I couldn't even find on the site where it even talked about the IRC channel. But if anyone else wants to join us on this weird little corner of the internet, you can go to irc.mibit.net, port 6667, hashtag songfight. Point your IRC client, and I'm sure you all have IRC clients, right? Point them there. You You can hang out with all of us there. I don't understand any of those words that you said. Yeah. Is Mibit a thing that people know about, or do you have to specify whether it's an M or an N, or does that not matter? M-I-B-B-I-T dot net. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's just a weird little song fight thing. I, uh, that's where I met Mike Lamb and Ujin Hunter. 
Yeah, so now Rain is there too. So we're all hanging out and talking about you on IRC. So join us. Cool. All right, let's move on to inflatable vegetables. Yesterday I was seven. My mom put me to sleep. I live in Sneets by the Vaterport. Bike on Herringbone Brick Streets. But this morning I woke up. Strange bed, strange room, strange house. I don't know how I got here at all. No memory at all. No memory. No memory at all. No memory. All right, Ryan. Did you find this song creepy? No. No? I, I found it like, I was kind of wondering if it was a maybe like an Oliver Sacks type of deal or, or I, I don't know, exa- I didn't know exactly what to think about it. I thought that it, it kind of really took the no memory thing very, very literally. But what, what did you think? What, what a seven-year-old waking up in a strange place with a creepy wrinkled man? Okay, what I read was that somebody lost their memory back to when they were seven. Yeah, that's that's how I read it, and so they wake up, and it's and there's this this creepy person there in the mirror, maybe. Oh, that's 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 probably it. Yeah, yeah, and they both run screaming from each other. That would make perfect. I'm gonna look at these. Oh my uh, god, you're exactly right. I think we figured it out. But I was confused. I didn't quite get that angle, and I was just like, wait, the guy is seven, and no, wait, he had he maybe had a son. He's being married. But you're right. I think it's all about Alzheimer's or dementia or losing your memory. Yeah, I honestly, I think the location is so very, very specific that it threw me off. Like I was thinking that, oh, it's they're talking about an event in this place called Snits, which is also called Sneak in the Netherlands. And that was so incredibly specific that I was thinking like, okay, this must be in reference to something specific that went on there. But uh, let's see. Okay, so yes, I'm looking at the lyrics now. So yesterday I was seven. My mom put me to sleep. I live in Snits by the Waterport, uh, which is Waterport's a kind of, a, I guess, a bigger area in the Netherlands. It sounds Dutch. Yeah, um, bike on Herringbone Brick Streets. But this morning I woke up, strange bed, strange room, strange house. I don't know how I got here at all. I climbed out of bed with trouble, saw a wrinkled man. He lurched toward me with arms outstretched. I screamed. He screamed. We turned. I ran. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is it. It's cool. A gray woman sits on the bedside and tries to comfort me. I can understand her, though she's not speaking free. Probably wife. Yeah. And she says she's my daughter-in-law. I don't remember oh. her. I don't remember having a son. I don't remember being married. Yesterday I was seven. Today I'm confused and scared. So, wow. Okay, so touching. Now that we've uncoded it, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again. Thank God we didn't have to rank it without oh, knowing thank the, God, the hell we were talking I would have just said, is this a creepy song about child abuse? I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm glad we spent all this time on this podcast working it out. <laughs> so professional. Yes, They're going to yes. totally ask us back for judges next time around. <laughs> Yeah, well, we already got all that stuff notarized and the blood sample and the uh, fingerprints and stuff like that. So we're we're as good as anybody. So, yeah, uh, in general, though, uh, did, did you have any more comments? Or I thought I the just... chorus was the best part. 
Um, I was pretty disturbed by the the verse content, and I'm not sure what it if it was the melody as well. I thought the chorus was pretty well done, but overall, I found this song hard to listen to. Uh, was it because of the the lyrics? Or? Yeah, I think so, and just not quite understanding what was happening. It was really sort of disorienting, and maybe that was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I'm tr- picking through my notes here, trying to figure out what I said that wasn't about the lyrics. Because it's all about, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. I, I did all this Wikipedia research into <laughs> the Netherlands. And I'm like, oh, geez, what a, what a waste of time. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. This song, I thought the song is fun. Uh, <laughs> you I, thought it was fun? I did. I didn't, you know, I thought it was weird and fun. I didn't get the whole kind of child abuse angle that you, you clicked onto. But I, I like the song despite not knowing for sure what it was about. The instrumentation is fun and poppy and the melodies are good. And I thought it was really, really nice. The only the reason that you're shocked that I thought it was fun is because you went into it. Yeah, with, I went to a dark place with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, too early. I had gotten into it that I thought that maybe the guy was in a coma for a little while or something like that, but I didn't, you know, it didn't click to me that it's, yeah. Oh, well. Okay, we figured it out. Yay. (laughs) All right, next up, though, we got mandibles. First there was nothing, then there was me, blinking at the first glimpse of sun. The people surrounding Speaking with glee Of a war still yet to be won They told me tales Of monsters in the night Of beams of scathing burning light Of women fair and clever With the blade Of the hope that morning brings Of massive scaly So, wow, this is epic. Great performances. I love that sort of renaissance wall of sound that hits at the outset of each of the choruses. You know, oh, the guitar and, riff? Well, well, no, just just like, a, you know, the, there's the verses and then like everything hits at the same time with, I, I think there's, I, I should have studied this a little, a little bit more. I think there's definitely a mandolin that comes in oh, yeah. and the guitars and I think flutes and backing vocals and they all kind of hit at once in this kind of, renaissance you know just slam which you don't hear ever you know and the the, the kind of renaissance renfair comparison is not meant as a criticism i know that part of most such comparisons is the kind of basic you know renaissance everything as a derivative of green sleeves type feel but this is much more than that the problem though is that i never played legend of zelda so i feel like i'm missing out on some meaning in the song but I still think it's a great rock slash chip tune slash Celtic slash medieval number. There's a lot uh, of slash in here. It's a lot. It's it, well, there's a lot to listen to in this, and there's a lot to enjoy whether I understood the Zelda references or not. It's really really cool. I like the song a whole lot. Yeah, I thought the guitar riff in between the verses was super epic, and then yeah. I loved how it came back at the end choruses, mixed with like Cybronica's vocals for extra epicness. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I was really into that. And I like it when Truth and Cybronica harmonize together. It just sounds really good. Definitely, yeah. I'm less into the whole, like, 
women fair and clever with the blade and like you know massive scaly flying things and like you know <laughs> I, I like i like the way they put that i like uh, you know that was kind of neat uh just the way that they phrased it that way instead of saying dragons yeah you know yeah but did did you ever play legend of Zelda? no i missed all that and who knows yeah. they might not have been dragons they could have just been scaly flying things yeah other scaly fly- yeah okay, you well, know, this is pretty uh 8-bit graphics so okay <laughs> All right, finally, we've got Lycanthrope. I could never keep track of my money. I'm only a simple child. I just try to be witty and funny. How much debt have I compiled? You say. This song is titled No Memory slash Color Me Confused because it's a little bit of both. Lycanthrope, I just happened to know, was in Iceland recently, and so he was unable to submit a song for the Color Me Blank fight. It's kind of done a mishmash of both. He's got samples from the Sugar Cubes, and I thought the first set of samples was mixed a little bit low and I couldn't make it out, but it got better by the time it got to Bjork, and I could really make out York's distinctive voice, and I thought that was mixed in pretty well. There's a reference to Mr. Skimple, who is a man-child character from Bleak House. And other than that, this is just Lycanthrope, right? Like, I'm a little bit disappointed that, you know, it's the same sort of MIDI sounds, it's the same sort of melodics, sort of uh, the same sort of verse melody and melodies that Lycanthrope is known for. There wasn't a lot that really caught my attention in this song. I thought the vocal performance starts out pretty bad. You know, yeah. the first verse is not good, but then it's noticeably better for the second verse. The choruses are sort of talk singing, so I don't really kind of count those in terms of the vocal performance. And um, I don't know, it's a song about money and debts, and I kind of like don't like thinking about that stuff. That's not what I go to music for. But regardless, you know, I'm happy and impressed that he's extending his vocal range. And I'm very happy that he's submitting shadows. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the, I'm, all in all, this is a plus for me. All right. I think that's it. We have gone through all the songs and all the shadows. Yeah. Do we want to chatter about anything in particular? Do you want to talk about rankings at all? Or is it is it all just a blur until we sit down and actually do it? You want to talk about our top and bottom buckets? I don't have a bottom bucket. That's the thing that sucks so bad about this. The thought of putting anything in the bottom four. I know it's really is a nightmare. Uh, I'll gladly say that, you know, that vowel sounds is my number one top choice though. That was, it's like in, again, in a, a dozen songs that are really great, really, really wonderful. That one was head and shoulders above the rest to my ear. In my top buckets, I've got Agony Sauce, Berkeley Social Scene, Marison, Grumpy Mike, Max Bombast, Rachel Lane, and Vowel Sounds. That's well more than half. I you know. Can't, you can't I, say that's the top when it's going to be, when, when one of those or two of those are going to be eliminated. <laughs> it's perverse to say that. It's not entirely <laughs> true, but it's almost true. It's almost true. <laughs> You know, 
it's yeah, it's it's so hard. It's this is the worst. It's too hard. It's going to be too hard to rank these. It's going to be too hard to put any of these down. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I only, and I only have less than a day to do it now. Yeah. I, I think I know what I'm going to do. It's just listen more. Yeah. It's just keep these songs in my headphones, like hear more things. Yeah. Find more things to differentiate the songs. Yeah. I think in previous rounds, we could put in the bottom bucket things that, you know, songs that we weren't impressed by. And songs that we could point to and say, okay, there's something wrong with that song. Here, we're not going to have that. It's just going to be, I think, the opposite. We're just going to have to focus on the top half and say, well, I'd prefer to listen to you know, this set of songs uh, over these other couple of songs and just rank them that way. Because I, I don't know any other way to do it. Yeah. Oh, well, well uh, the next round, the challenge is going to be a story told in reverse from the end to the beginning. And the title is Where the Streets Have No Name with the added rule of not referring to you 2 which is the judges saying that we hate all of the competitors and want to punish them, more or less. Maybe not. Okay. So uh, the, the challenge was like consciously designed to be harder than normal. It was also sort of created by committee. Uh, and you know how well that always goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it kind of started from one of Nivius's ideas, and then we combined it with an old idea from apparently from Frankie Bigface from uh, maybe years ago. Oh, he yeah. had the telling a story in reverse idea. Yeah, yeah, and I and that was that was pretty good. But then it got mixed up with previous stuff that we were talking about. You know, I'll say it: I'd hate to have to write a song with these requirements, and especially that title. We were thinking about other options where I'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd love to be a part of that sort of a challenge. And then it kind of morphed into this nightmare. So, uh, yeah. So good luck, folks. <laughs> Sucks to be you. It does. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm glad that we're not <laughs> having to do this because I would just be miserable, I think. And we'd be laughing at this. It's going to be hard for Glenn Case to add telling a story in reverse. <laughs> not referring, well, not referring to you two should be easy, but it is cumulative challenge efforts. I also think it may be a little bit challenging for vowel sounds to work a story told in reverse into the uh, Ouijaverse. I don't know. I have a lot of faith in them. And they, they have the they kills have every narrative. time. Yeah, they also have a narrative already. Yeah, so that helps. So, you know, all they have to do is continue that narrative and then just tell it, tell this next uh, episode in reverse. So, yeah, I, I think it, it might be easier for them than the others who are just kind of like open-ended and come up with pretty much anything Yep. with this terrible, terrible title. You're welcome. <laughs> you could have gotten Stairway to Heaven. Could be worse. I was rooting for You Can't Touch This. Yeah. So Boy, I cringed that or, at that. Or Oops, I Did It Again, which I also, also thought would have been great. Other people, other folks were rooting for Jesse's Girl. But... Uh, yeah, I think there'd been too much of that already in the song fight slash spin tune slash Narayan stuff. All right, I think we're at shout outs now. Hey, do you want to start? I would like to shout out to Brian and Alice. Thank you for appearing on our podcast. We really appreciate every time you guys come on. It's always great. Yeah. And I'd like to shout out to the new ugly, the sister, cousin, mother, sister, uh, daughter. Uh, no, not daughter. Uh, podcast to 
Two Jerks, One Vote, also doing reviews of the Nur Ein songs this year. So go give that a listen if you're not already doing so. Yeah, those guys go crazy deep. Yeah. Also, shout out to my husband. Thank you for all of your love and support and your patience. And thank you for walking the dog while I'm recording this right now. Uh, shout out to Nivius. Thanks for doing such a great, great job. He does these turnarounds so quick, so admirably quick. Anything else? Nah. Catch you all on the flippy flop. <laughs>